All right. So most of you had the chance to hear from Ben this morning at everything that's coming up with the Christmas season. The schedule's going to get crazy, isn't it? Like it's going to get busy fast, which then made me start thinking, like with all the stuff that's going on, some of you remember these. Do you remember this? Like, did, did anyone have one of these? I called it my brain. Did anyone? Okay, like 10% of you. This, this is so scary. Does anyone still use one? Like, no. Get out of here. Do you really? That is awesome. That is awesome. Okay, so if you're a millennial, let me explain this thing real fast. This is a, this is a, and you can't, okay, boomer me. You can't do that because I'm, I'm not a boomer, but when you look at this, this is called a planner. And, and what's incredible is like back in the day, you couldn't just pull out your cell phone to get someone's number. You had to know the number. Like grandma's was 918-782-2165. Weird that I still remember that. It's not her phone number. Like you could call that, but it's not going to be grandma. Um, anyway, like you had to have all the phone numbers with you. So when you would go to a phone to press the buttons or to do this thing, if you don't know what I'm doing, just trust me. This is, we've made so many upgrades. It's so good now. Um, and, and then with your calendar, you had to do this. Like all your calendar had to be right there in this little book that you would carry. It is a great Christmas present. My favorite Christmas present to receive. I, I loved, loved, loved my planner. But today, when we do family meetings, we all pull out our cell phones. That's what we do. And we've had to start doing that more and more because of the season. Because it's like, wait, Gabe, what time are your shows? And so we're putting the shows in. And I'm like, okay, I've got a wedding on this date. And then we got meetings on this date. And then like there's one four-day stretch where we have three Christmas parties in four days. And some of you, you know that pain, right? And you came in relaxed, and maybe you're not relaxed anymore. Maybe you're like, thanks for freaking me out because I forgot, like Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's like right around the corner, but it is. like So we have all these schedules. And sometimes, if you don't use your planner or your phone, you double book. Oh, yeah, that's the worst. And because when you double book, isn't it true, like all of a sudden you have to go to your power rankings? You, you know power ranking, right? Power ranking, like I value my job more than my kids. I can't say that out loud. I, I, value, <laughs> I value this romantical relationship more than mom and dad. I value, or whatever, you know. Like, you, you know, somewhere you have to have a pecking order, don't you? You have to have, like, what's at the top and what's at the bottom. You got your power ranking, and someone has to go last, right? Something has to go last. It gets bumped down on the list. And here's really where I'm going with this. My big question today that I want us to wrestle with, where does your commitment to worshiping God with your church family rank on your power ranking list? Where does your commitment to worshiping the Lord with your church family rank on that list? The fact that we are filled up in here, and for anyone who's watching downstairs in the overflow room, you've made your commitment loud and clear today, haven't you? Like, you have made that declaration in a way that you're saying, like, here it is with my action. I'm telling you where I'm committed to. There's been a lot of publicity here recently. Maybe you follow it. Maybe you don't. Some of you have been reading a lot about what they're saying about the decline of Christianity. Like, you've been reading that. In fact, campus pastors all across Woodside were watching this carefully because the Pew Research Center came out in the last couple of weeks, and they said that those who are adults who claim to be Christians— I'm going to go so slow because it's math, and it's like 10.25 in the morning. And so since it's math, I'm going to go slow. What they said is 12% over the past decade, the past 10 years, 12% of people who claim to be Christians 10 years ago no longer claim to be Christians. 
Let me, let me make that a little bit more mathematical so it makes more sense. There's about 250 million adults, give or take, in America. So we're talking about 30 million people. Perspective, right? 30 million people 10 years ago said, I love Jesus, yes I do. And today they're what's called nuns. Not nun like how many full of grace, like Mother Superior, not that kind of nun, but like N-O-N-E, like I have no religious affiliation. So on that form when they say, are you Christian, are you Jewish, do you follow Islam, or do you not believe any of it, they would say, I'm none, I'm none of the, or I'm done, I think is actually more appropriate, like I used to be Christian, but now I'm done with Christianity, which, I don't know, it makes me feel kind of weird, I don't know about you, but to think like 30 million people have left the faith. You know, millennials today, they are the first group, the first generation in the history of our nation where less than half say that they're followers of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Like just trying to think where the nation as a whole, where, where we're going. But let's talk about the 65%. 65% then of the nation says, I'm a Christian. 65%. Like that's more than majority, right? 65% percent say they're Christian. Until then, you start to look at, at attendance numbers, and then here's what we see. We see that, that half of half go to church on Sundays. Did you hear that number? Half of half. Now, here's the part that just, again, trying to make some sense of all these statistics. Church attendance, even though we've decreased by 30 million people, the number who claim to be Christian, over the past 10 years, church attendance has not changed at all. Church attendance hasn't gone up. Church attendance hasn't gone down. Church attendance has stayed steady, which then kind of leads me to this conclusion that there has to be some type of connection between those who are part of the church coming together for worship or the lack thereof and coming to this place of saying, I'm stagnant in my faith. I'm so stagnant to the point that I'm leaving it all together. There has to be a connection. Which brings us to our big idea. The big idea today is that we need to commit to a life of gathered worship. We need to commit to a life of gathered worship. Take your Bibles, if you will, open up to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Acts 42, verses 42 through 47. This is it. This is the very, very last week of this sermon series. If you've been with us through this whole time, it's been a long journey, hadn't it? We've been spending a lot of time on Acts 42 through 47. If you're joining us for the first time, let me catch you up to speed real quick. This is the birth of the church. So you had this little remnant, this little group of followers of Jesus, and in one day, bam, you had 3,000 who were added to their number. And so now you got just over 3,000 people who are Christians. But let me remind you, that's on the entire planet. So even though we're talking about a church, we're also talking about total Christians on the whole planet at that time, right? This is it, just over 3,000 people at that time. And what we see when we read it, it almost looks perfect, doesn't it? It looks so good when you read it, and we're going to read it. You're going to look at it, and you're going to go, man, that just sounds great. But what we understand, they're people just like us. And so they're not perfect. They're absolutely not perfect, but they were committed they were committed to some very specific items that if we live that out today, we see incredible impact. This small group of people, we saw God use them to change the entire Roman Empire. So let's look. Acts 2.42 and following says this. 
One last time, Luke writes, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we see them committed to the word of God. And let me very quickly say that didn't just mean that they read it or it didn't just mean that they listened to it, but it meant that once they listened to it, they said, we need to rearrange our lives to line up with that, right? They were responding with action to the word of God. They were praying together. They were breaking bread together. They were generous together. They were serving together. We see that they were worshiping together. And before we talk about the impact of the worship, what I first want to do is look at what worship is. Because maybe you come from some backgrounds, you've got some prior history, and we got all these thoughts on worship. So I want to clean that up first. Worship, it's an attitude and it's an action. It's an attitude and it's an action. The Greek word that's used here is proskuneo. Proskuneo, proskuneo means, it, it means to adore. It means to revere something. It means to esteem something. It means to proskuneo, to lay flat out before God. That posture of saying, I, I wish I could get lower just to show how high, Lord, I see you. I see you high and exalted, and I can't lower myself enough. This to lift up holy hands and to say, I'm coming to you with open hands, Lord, because there's nothing I can bring you, nothing that I can do to earn you to be greater. You are so great. I'm just coming in a place of surrender. Lord, I'm sur proskuneo. It is an attitude, and it's an action. When you look in John 4... Jesus comes across the Samaritan woman. Do you remember this? Comes across the Samaritan woman. And Jesus says, those who worship God are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't see worshiping in spirit, can you? Because it happens here. Worshiping in spirit happens right here. It is an attitude. It is what's happening right here. It's, a, it's an attitude. Do you remember the setting of this? Acts 2, I know I briefly mentioned it, but you have this remnant Jesus has ascended into heaven, and there's literally a remnant of disciples left. There's just a small group of followers. And then Peter preaches to this massive crowd. And when Peter preaches to the massive crowd, do you remember what he said? He said, let me tell you about who Jesus is. Jesus, this Jewish carpenter, he's, he's the Messiah. He said he's the rescuer. He's the one who came to save all of Israel, who came to save all of the world. And then do you remember what Peter said? He said, and, and you killed him. That's not how to win friends and influence people, right? That's what he said, though. He said, you're guilty. You put him on the cross. You're the one who did it. You're guilty of this. And then he turns right around and says, but I have incredible news. You can be, you can be forgiven that debt that you have. Like, because you're guilty, think about like a prisoner. Like, you've got the cuffs on. Because of what you've done, like, you're going to pay the price. But here's the powerful thing. You can't pay the entire price on your own, but Jesus already has. And so through faith in Jesus, you're forgiven that debt. Isn't that amazing? And that's what people responded to. 
And still today, I think if Peter was, was standing here and I was sitting with you, Peter would say the same thing to us. He would say, we are guilty. We put Jesus on the cross. We're no different. We have sinned. We've looked at Jesus and his lordship, and we said, no, I'm going to choose all these other things above your lordship. When it comes to my, my power ranking in life, oh, sometimes you're way down here. I've got all these idols, and we're just as guilty. And Peter would say, but you can have a right standing with God today through faith in Jesus. He came to set you free. Isn't that awesome? And so what we see is we see people responding to this message. And it wasn't like I'm going to respond and 3,000 are going to be baptized that day. And then they say, whew, that was a fun experience. Now that's done. I'm going to go back to work now. They don't do that, do they? It's not a, I'm going back to work now. It transformed them. Church, it, it changed them completely. I like what this pastor, Paul Tripp, said. He said, corporate worship is a regular, gracious reminder that it's not about you. We've been born into a life that is a celebration of another. And so you had this group of people that before that day, they were very self-absorbed like all of us. And all of a sudden, there was a change in them and they became devoted they became committed, and worship was right up there, paramount in their list of power rankings. And so we see in verse 43 that the result was they were left in awe, A-W-E, they were left in awe. The Greek word there is phobos, phobos. And what I love about the word phobos is phobos, it's this word that means regular, it means consistent, it means ongoing reverence filled their souls. This word, like so many words, we've hijacked it in our culture. We, we've twisted the word to make it mean something else. It's this, I don't know, Instagram society that we have. Isn't that true? Like, what do we do with Instagram? Scan, 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 stop. Oh, A-W-W. We've taken A-W-E, and now we think it means A-W-W. And so we look at it, and we go, oh, look at little puppy. Yeah, I got the puppy. And then we scan, scan, scan. Oh, feet in the sand. Yeah, look at this. And then we scan, scan, scan. Oh, baby. You know, we can look at the little baby and we keep going. By the way, quick time out, like, because this is true. So many of you have been praying for Pastor Chris, who at 42 years old, uh, he and his wife were expecting a child. Uh, he's a senior pastor of Woodside. This past week, uh, Yodi did give birth. Uh, Christiana Joy, beautiful, beautiful baby. So thank you so much for everyone who's been praying. Um, continue to pray, right? Because new babies do tend to shake life and schedules up a lot. And so you can come up with a schedule and baby's going to do what she's going to do, right? Doesn't matter what time, day or night, it's all the same to the baby. And so just continue to be in prayer for them. But anyway, hijacking. And so we, we kind of hijack this word. And it reminds me of what Francis Chan wrote in his most recent book, Letters to the Church. He said this. He said, in our impatient culture, we want to experience biblical awe without biblical devotion. We want to experience biblical awe without biblical devotion. Isn't that true? And so what we end up with is a culture that's running off, trying to chase the next thing that's going to give us that sense of awe. We just keep running from one thing to another. So Christian worship Yes, it's an attitude, it's an attitude of the heart, but it's also an action. 
Do you remember when the Magi came, the wise men? They went to see Jesus, not at the nativity. They didn't show up at the nativity. They showed up much later to the house of Mary and Joseph. And so Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down, and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So what you see is you see this consistent description in the early church where gathering is important to them. And as they would gather, yes, they would pray one for another, and they would give generously, and they would serve together. But you see this posture of worship, and it happened together. Isn't that awesome? So in your power rankings, what things do you have above corporate worship? What things do you have above that list? Those things we would call idols. Right? Sometimes we ourselves can become an idol in our lives. When we become very self-absorbed, very self-focused, we can become the idol. And we'll be very careful here. It doesn't mean that if you miss church for one Sunday that I'm going to call you up and I'm going to say, where were you? Like you didn't make it. And I'm checking my list, checking it twice. That's what I'm doing Fight naughty and all that, you know. I'm doing that because, no, what that ends up doing is that creates some weird culture of, um, I don't know, a legalistic culture, right, where it's all about the legalism and following the rules. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our attitude. I'm talking about posture. I'm talking about do we live it out with our hands and our feet as well as our heart? Do we see all three of those coming into line to respond to the Lord, to respond to his goodness and his greatness, to what he has done, what he's doing, what we believe he will continue to do. Because when you're not postured like that, when you're not living like that with your feet, with your hands, with your mouth, when you're not living, things get all out of whack, right? It gets all messed up. So when we have our attitudes, when we have our action, when we have this posture of worship to the Lord, what's the result? So our second and final point is this. Worship invites God to act in and through us. Worship invites God to act in and through us. It totally changes you because we start out with this very selfish posture and it changes you to a generous posture. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Did you see last week? Last week was awesome. We had all these boxes of donuts and the, the goal was, as a family, take a box, is to a fire department or to a police department, uh, just find one close to where you live and just go deliver that box. I actually heard a story after the first service where a family said, yeah, we actually just wanted to get a box that was nowhere near here, but this particular fire department had done something really special for us and really put out a fire of one of our rental homes, and so we just wanted to go bless that particular department. But here's what I saw last week. Family after family coming up to me with smiles wrapped around their faces. And I had people going, oh my goodness, we live in Macomb, and we didn't think you would have donuts for Macomb because it's too far away. And yet, this is the department right here. Look at the box. That's the department that's right by our house. We pray for this department all the time. So we get to go deliver donuts. And then someone else. We live in Rochester. I didn't think you were going to have donuts for Rochester, but this is the one. It's going to be so fun to do with the girls. We're going to go deliver these with the girls. We're so excited. We get to go right by our house. We get to go. People were so elated, so much joy. And what were they doing? They were giving. They were serving. It wasn't about us. It had nothing to do with us. It had nothing to do with making life here easier. It had everything to do with let's, let's go from self-focus to other focus. Let's just go be generous. You see this turning from despair 
to a place of joy. You see this, this posture where we're not cynical, we're praise-focused. Which kind of brings up what was missing from verse 42 through 47. Did you notice? Like you read through all of that, do you notice that the spiritual gift of cynicism isn't there? <laughs> that the, the gift of critical spirit isn't there? Like, notice what's not there. What's not there, no one's going up to Peter saying, you know, Peter, you're kind of one of those brimstone guys, aren't you? If you're a little funnier, more people come to know Jesus. So you need to lighten it up, Peter. And Peter, you do all these announcements. If you'd shorten the announcements down, Peter, then people come to know Jesus. Peter, the fog machine's been running too long. You know, you just, it just keeps coming, which we don't have a fog machine, so it's really funny when I talk about that because other campuses, like this is a touchy topic right here. The fog machine... As some of the campuses, like, it's, it's a touchy, touchy thing, right? And, and, and we don't see that with Peter. We don't see them getting upset with Peter and John and the rest. Like, I can't believe you guys are letting this happen. They don't say this. Like, maybe this one is getting too personal. But they don't say, like, you know, just a few weeks ago, we knew everybody. We knew all the people. We were this little community. Now 3,000 people run around here. I don't know anybody anymore. Come on, what are you going to do about it, Peter? I don't know all these people anymore. What are you going to do? And you know, the other thing, now that we're on this, everybody there, they get really loud, just so you know. Like when the singing happens, sometimes it is out of control. Loud. Peter, tell them to shush it up. They need to worship Jesus quietly. Like they just need to, they, you don't see that, do you? It's not in there. In fact, I would say this. I would say, in God's wisdom, he decided for just a very brief six verses to say, I want to show you the beauty of what the church can be. In all of scripture, outside of heaven, I think this is the most powerful picture I see in the whole scripture of people coming together, doing life together. This is incredible. What we read is, is astounding. And yet, really what it is is a foreshadowing of heaven, isn't it? It's a foreshadowing. And that's really what we're doing. What we're doing on Sunday mornings when we come together, it's a peak. It's a glimpse of eternity. Now, it's not, it's not a perfect picture, is it? It is an imperfect picture. Because see, heaven is a place where there's no sorrow. There's no sickness. There's no pain. Every single tear will be wiped away. By who? The Lord himself wipes away every tear from their eyes. He's the one who wipes away the tears. So this is not a perfect picture this morning. But it's a glimpse. It's a little snapshot of what's waiting for us. And then look at the result, verse 43. Awe came upon every soul. I love that every soul line too. Because every soul says they're not living vicariously through Peter and his Instagram account. They're not living through John, right? They're not, they're not living through. No, it came upon every soul. All was for all of them. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Look down verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. A few important words here. Many wonders and miracles. That doesn't mean that it happened to happen daily or all of a sudden they said the Holy Spirit's left us. It said that there were many. It doesn't say how many and it doesn't say that had to be every day. But I think, I think sometimes we, um, we forget the base of what's happening here. They were together. Real quick little rabbit trail I want to go on. Um, at Woodside Bible Church, when we talk about church and we talk about gathering, there's two places we gather. We gather on Sunday mornings and we gather in homes and groups. 
Those are the two ways we gather. And, and so when we look at other churches, we know a lot of churches do other things, and I really don't want to focus on um, what we think about what everybody else is doing. I want to focus on, on us. And so when it comes to online church, uh, we don't think that that's replacement for this. Does that make sense? Online church, watching a sermon online is not a replacement for what we're doing right now. I can turn my music up on the way to, to, to work on Monday morning. I mean, I can be jamming out. It does not replace this. It just doesn't. It's not even kind of the same. The best reproduction I can do in my car does not do this justice, right? But with that said, uh, we live in Michigan, y'all. Like, we, we do live in Michigan. And Michigan has decided it's wintertime now. Um, <laughs> It'll be summer tomorrow. Thank you. I, I'm waiting for it. That'll be great. Uh, we were talking actually before the first service, and someone said, someone said, yeah, I hear that the weather people are saying that we're going to get, it's not going to be as cold, but we're going to get a lot more snow. And I'm like, how do they know that? How do they know in January? But they, they study this stuff. They know. I don't know. They know. But here's what I know. Sometimes the weather is such that if it was a Tuesday morning, and you thought, I'm getting really low on milk, some of you would look out the window and you would look at your driveway with that much snow and that much ice, and you would say to yourself, it's not worth me physically hurting myself because I very possibly could fall just trying to get to my car. And if I did that, I would really, really hurt myself and it wouldn't be good. I, I can't risk that injury this morning. I think I'll wait and give it a day or two, right? Is that fair? Some of you would do that. You would look and say, yeah, I mean, I really could use some milk, but I'll wait a day or two, right? I'll let the roads get cleared off. What I'm saying to you is I don't want you to hurt yourself trying to get to church. I just want you to hear my heart. I absolutely do not want you hurting yourself getting to church. Some of you have absolutely no business trying to get out your door and get to the car and get to church. And I don't want you for a moment, because of your background, maybe it's been a more legalistic background that you came from, thinking that all of a sudden God's going to be angry with you if you don't get to church. That's why we have our website, woodsidebible.org. And when you pull that website up, there are live services on Sunday morning. The services are broadcast from the Troy campus. So you'll see Pastor Chris or Pastor Steve. Now, most of you know and love Pastor Steve, right? And so he's the one that they'll be broadcast. One of the two guys, almost every Sunday, is who they broadcast from the Troy campus. And um, it doesn't replace this. It absolutely does not replace this. But it lets you hear the same message that we're hearing on this Sunday morning. and kind of keeps us together. So it's kind of a placeholder for a week. If you need to use it, I want you to use it. Is that fair? Did you guys hear my heart? So I, that, that's important to me. Um, with that said, though, wait, one more thing. Time out. <laughs> Some of you drive Jeeps, big Jeeps with big knobby tires. And if you didn't go to church, you're going to go over the river and through the woods. You're not going to grandma's house. You just want to see, can the Jeep get stuck in a way where I can't get? If that's you, get to church. Like, don't be lazy. <laughs> don't be lazy. Pull some people out of the ditch on the way. Invite them to church, right? Love your neighbors first and then come on to church. So here we go. We see this place. Time in. We see this place. So if we're editing, we can edit all of that out. There we go. We see this place where awe came upon every soul as many wonders and signs were being done. Maybe you grew up like me in my late teens, early 20s. I went, I, I went to a Baptist church. And the Baptist church I went to, they were freaked out about this kind of a passage, right? They would look at that and they would say, well, Billy, you got to push back from like those all, like those sign and wonder people. You don't want to be Pentecostal. Like you don't want to do that. 
You don't want to be like one of those assembly of gods. Like, you don't want to do that. And so you got you to push back from that kind of stuff, Billy. Like, you just got to stay, stay ground. And, and let me just say, maybe that's you. If that's you, I, I want to... I want to encourage you to look at the other side because sometimes what we do is we push so hard. We push so hard over to this side as we say, no, unless I can explain it, unless I can put my hands on it, unless I can put it in a box, like I, I don't know that it's from the Lord. I don't know what it is, but we're just going to ignore it and discount it if it looks like a miracle. If it's all, if it's one of those all things, like I, I'm just going to push away from that. I want to talk about that. Can I, can I just caution you to maybe get to a healthy spot in this conversation? Because I, I think that sometimes in our culture, we get so used to the extraordinary that we forget how extraordinary it is. Something simple, like the rotation of the earth on its axis, tilted at 23 and a half perfect degrees. The revolution around the sun, right? Day to night, the changing of the seasons, one year. I think we forget to be in awe of that. I think we forget to be in awe I'm just looking around and seeing how majestic and powerful he is. One of my favorite things in the world to do is, is go to the ocean and put my face in the water with goggles so I can see. And, and with, the, with the goggles on and the little snorkel so I can breathe, just to look at this entire world that's happening. Oh, Lord, my Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, even the earth that I don't always see. How majestic is your name? Or during that trip to Ecuador to stand in the Andes Mountains and to look around me surrounded by this incredible mountain chain and to say, I look my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Sometimes I think we forget to be in awe because we say, oh, well, that's ordinary. That's just a normal thing. We, we get to this place before we don't realize what a wonder it is anymore. I just want you to think about your own life. Think how many places the awe and wonder happens on a very regular basis. Maybe it's one of those situations, for some of you, it happened last week because you told me about it. That situation where you've been talking with someone, and as you've been talking with someone, you show up on Sunday morning, and then I preach a sermon, and you're like, he just preached about what I've been talking about. How did Billy know? That's weird. He shouldn't listen to my conversations. That should be invasion of privacy or something, right? But it's almost, so it doesn't happen every Sunday. But sometimes you feel like whenever a sermon is preached, you feel like it's straight to you. Does that ever happen? Awe and wonder. Or that time where you go to the doctor. Mom's in there. It's time to give birth to the baby. The doctors and nurses are talking, and they're like, things are not going according to plan. And then literally 30 minutes later, they come back out, and they go, well, I don't know what was going on, but everything's good now. Like, mom and baby are healthy. Awe and wonder. I think sometimes we just explain that away. We just want to explain it away, but it's this place of awe and wonder where God continues to do the miraculous. Have you ever had that time? Where maybe you don't even like to talk about your faith very much, but you sat down with someone and you just, you felt it kind of bubbling up and you're like, oh no, what's going on? What's getting ready to happen? And then you open your mouth and you start to talk. And as you start to talk, you don't even know where it's coming from, but you start to talk and it's just like, it just comes out. And when you're done, you look at the person, you go, I don't even know where all those words came from. I'm so sorry. I mean, I'm not really sorry because I feel like I was supposed to say that. But anyway, there it is. I just, I don't know. I hadn't planned that, just so you know. Where the Holy Spirit just on your behalf comes out and just speaks through you in a powerful way. And you walk away from that conversation going, that was the Lord. 
I know that was the Lord. That was not me. That was the Lord. Have you ever had that moment happen? Because, see, I think sometimes we try to explain away the awe and wonder of the incredible miracles that he's doing all around us all the time. Let's not be closed off to it. Let's be quick to give him the glory for it. Let's be quick to give the Lord the credit. The same way Peter and Cornelius, the same way that Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, Paul and the jailer, they were going along just doing life, weren't they? They were just doing ordinary, normal life when the Lord did something extraordinary in that moment. Quick story that I want to share with you because this actually happened here at the church. Um, A week ago from Friday, it was a date night. And um, date night here at the church, we had this marriage event and we had tables and it was so pretty. And at the first service, I said, I think there were like 85 people and they realized it was a marriage event. So that would have been weird, like, because it's an odd number, just way too much math for Sunday morning, right? Way too much math. So there were 88 people, which made a lot more sense in my head then. Afterwards, um, I, I thought, man, everything went according to plan. You know, Dan got up, he told some jokes. If you were there, then you understand. And... Um, <laughs> You know, we ate chocolate, and it was just a good time. And so I was leaving thinking, man, this was just beautiful and good. And I got out into the lobby. And when I got out into the lobby, I'm shaking hands and talking to people. And I hear the word ambulance. And I hear the word out front. Pastors don't like to hear ambulance out front ever when we're gathered together. So I go over, and I ask, hey, what's, what's going on? And then I hear this story. Actually, they looked at me first, and they said, oh, you... You didn't know what happened, did you? Like, you, you weren't aware of any of this, which then, of course, does not make me feel any better about myself. Because I'm like, no, I was sitting right here. I had no idea. And so um, one of our little guys, Patrick, was downstairs. The lights were out as they were getting ready to watch a movie. And Patrick started to have problems with breathing. And when I say problems, I mean, we didn't know if it was a nut allergy or what it was, but it was, it was bad. It was, it was scary and it was dangerous. Kristen, our director of our groups, she was uh, down there just volunteering, just serving, and she caught it. She saw what was happening. She ran upstairs to grab mom, to grab Mallory, and um, took her down. It wasn't very long after that 911 was called. And and while all that was going on, uh, our security team, we have a doctor. Dr. Brett is part of that team. And so Dr. Brett was here, and he sprung into action, and he went doctor mode on it. It was just incredible. We had people praying. The ambulance came. So I, I was able to call later. Once I found out what happened, I immediately went to the office to try to get a hold of the family. Uh, got a hold of Mallory. found out that Patrick was stable and was able to pray for the family. But what I want to share with you, I got the very next day. So this happened on Friday night. On Saturday, um, Tim, his dad, sent me this email, and it says this. Pastor Billy, I wanted to reach out to let you know how thankful I am for you and our church family and praise God for everything he has done over the past 24 hours. Worship, responding to God. It's an attitude, it's an action. Here's what we see. We see, before we go any further, I want to praise God for everything that he has done over the past 24 hours. I want to worship him would be another way to say that. Friday was the two-year anniversary from the, da- from the day that my dad died from cancer. Can I just say, and, and then I'll just read for a little bit. Um, you don't know what the person to your left or your right's going through right now. I had no idea that night that was the two-year anniversary. I, 
I didn't have a clue. And so I think we just want to be aware of that because we're doing this walk of faith together. So Friday was the two-year anniversary from the day that my dad died from cancer. Despite the fact that it had been two years, I still have a void in my heart. And I was struggling with my emotions most of the day. When Kristen first came and got Mallory Friday, I just assumed that there was something minor going on. But when she came back up the second time and got me, all I heard her uh, was to tell someone called 911 as she ran downstairs. I knew that something was wrong. So I ran down the stairs to see Mallory and Brett holding Patrick and him gasping for air. My heightened emotions got the best of me and I automatically assumed that the worst was about to happen on the same day that my dad died. Now that things have settled down, which was less than 24 hours later, now that things have settled down, I just need to tell you how thankful that we are for the way that the situation happened. Because you see, the doctor said it was the croup and that it was normal to come on as suddenly as it did. We live about 30 minutes north of the church out in the country, and therefore, I'm so thankful that God allowed this to happen during the date night rather than at our house. I was blown away by how the church stepped up to help and all the things that God lined up, which I believe saved his life. I'm thankful for Kristen spotting the situation start as the kids were all in a dark room watching a movie when it started. I can't describe how thankful I am for Brett and everything he did, his calmness while we were waiting for the ambulance. I'm thankful that God gave us Jake and Sammy Clark as friends as they were not even sitting at our table, but they came down to see what was happening. They stayed at our side until Patrick was recovering at the hospital. They even drove Mallory and the girls while I rode with Patrick in the ambulance. I'm so thankful that we have family in the area. They met us at the hospital. My mom and sister were able to take the girls home with them. So the preschool room we had Patrick in while we were waiting for the ambulance to arrive was full of people, full of people helping and praying over him. I know that there were others not in the room helping, such as those who went outside to wait for the ambulance. I don't even know their names. I don't know the names of everyone who helped, but I'm thankful for each and every one of them. So when we got to the church this afternoon, so they, they forgot Patrick's bag when they got on the ambulance and left, so they came back Saturday to get it. When we went to the church this afternoon to get Patrick's bag that got left behind, Kristen told us, Brett, Dr. Brett, and the rest of the safety team they weren't even supposed to be there last night as they were supposed to be at a meeting in Troy. I'm just blown away at how God, listen to this worship and praise right here. I'm blown away that God worked it out for them to be there as I don't know what would have happened without them. As I mentioned earlier, I still have that void from losing my dad, but I'm beyond grateful for our church family who's been helping to fill that void over the past 11 months that we've been attending Woodside Romeo. After we put the kids to bed tonight, Patrick came out and he asked me to read him a page from the Bible. I'm just so happy for everything the church did that night to keep him safe. If you could, please pass this along. Our thanks and gratitude to everyone who helped Friday night. Sincerely, Tim O'Day. Church, let's, uh, let's never, ever tire of meeting for worship. Let's never tire of having the attitude and the action of responding to God's goodness his greatness. Because my friends, he's at work. He was at work yesterday. Some ways you got to see, some you didn't. He's at work today. Some of you feel like you can't hear him. Some of you are being knocked over by his presence right now. And we trust that the best is yet to come. 
because we haven't experienced that. We haven't seen that. We're going to get a new glimpse of his greatness, of his gentleness, of his compassion. Father, we thank you for today. We do thank you for the calling that you've given us as a church to be committed to this attitude of worship, for the coming together with brothers and sisters in Christ to lift high your holy name. Lord, I do thank you for Patrick. I thank you for the O'Day family. I thank you for this incredible testimony, this powerful testimony. Lord, let us be changed because of it. Let us respond just a little bit better to who you are and the call that you've given into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Church, let's stand as we worship the most glorious King.